My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. I got to tell you, sometimes it's not easy being 60. Now, some of you are older 60 and some of you are under 60, but it ain't easy. I'll tell you how I found this out. Last night, I'm a cool uncle. I want you to know that. I'm a cool uncle. I ride motorcycles. I stay pretty much in touch with what's going on. And my nephew asked for something I didn't even know existed last night. He asked for a Nintendo gift card. Now, my kids had Nintendo when they were little, and you put the cartridge in, and you played Mario or whatever, and then we moved to... I had no idea there was such a thing as a Nintendo gift card. And I had to go to Target, and the guy goes, oh, yeah, they're right over there, and and I I picked it up. So I hope my nephew doesn't listen to this because I just ruined his Christmas present. (laughs) But things are changing, and things are changing sometimes for the good and sometimes not so much for the good. And I want you to think about Mary, and I want you to think about 15 14 or 15-year-old Mary, she might have been a little younger, probably not very much older, who has this visitation from an angel. Now, we think of Mary as as the statue holding the child with the pretty blue, right? And uh, I was a chaplain at a nursing home, and every Tuesday morning we had a rosary group, and if the person leading the rosary group didn't come... Then this Methodist pastor had to lead the rosary, so I know my rosary backwards. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now in the hour of our death. And you say that in groups of 10. Well, listen to what that says. Hail Mary, full of grace, blessed art thou among women. Well, we have this image of Mary 2,000 years removed from an unwed 15-year-old who lived in Nazareth. Now, she was betrothed. The Bible makes it very clear. She was betrothed. Now, that means that Joseph had given Mary's parents money, and they had promised that when she was of a certain age, she would marry Joseph, but she wasn't at that age yet. Now, some historians tell us that there's a chance that Mary actually had moved into Joseph's house because she was going to learn to administrate how to handle the servants and the cooking and the cleaning and how to run the home. Now, we don't know that for sure, but that was something that happened in in Jesus' time. So here we have these two people who are going to be married but aren't married yet who are might be living in the same house. And then this 15-year-old gets what we call today a baby bump. And I don't know about you, but people take pictures now of their baby bump. Have you seen these? Right? Oh, I got the bump. Or we watch famous people. You know, is that a baby bump we see? But in Mary's time, this was a terrifying thing to have happened to a young lady. Now, one of the ways we know that is because of Jesus' name. My son, Benjamin, if we lived back in first century Judea, he would be Benjamin Bar, yes, I'm going to say that name, Alvin. That meant Benjamin, son of me. 
Have you ever heard Jesus called Jesus Bar-Joseph? Just nod your head no. What do we call him? Jesus of Nazareth. It was an insult. It meant that nobody knew who Jesus' father was. It could be any man who lived in the town of Nazareth. We think of that as, oh, it's the location where he grew up. It was an insult. Now, I want to go back to this image of Mary, because today is, is the announcement to a virgin. We started with the announcement for the future. We celebrate Advent because Jesus is coming, and he's coming again. We did the announcement from the wilderness. John the Baptist proclaimed that the Messiah was Jesus. We did... The announcement from Jesus himself when he said, today this prophecy has been revealed to you. And then today we're talking about the announcement to the virgin. Think about yourself at 15. Your life was an open book. There had been really nothing written on that book. Your dreams, your goals, the ideas of what are we like. I remember when my little sister would get my mom's magazines. Maybe some of you did this. And she would go through with her friends and they would cut out their future husband. Did you ever do this? And they would cut out their kids and their dog and their house. And they would make this make-believe family. They were dreaming about what life would be like. That's exactly where Mary is. She's betrothed. Joseph is a carpenter. Now, some people think he was a poor, meaning not having a lot of money, carpenter. But there was huge building projects going on in the first century in northern Israel, sponsored by Herod the Great. He was called great because he was a great builder. And there's a good chance that if Joseph was a quality carpenter, which could also mean craftsman or stonemason, he was very busy and had some money. Maybe a couple servants. Maybe a, a house with two rooms in it. Uh, well, that's given away a, a Thursday sermon, but <laughs> this, was, this could have been a, a fairly prosperous man. And Mary gets to marry him and move into the big house. And she's got dreams for children and what her children will grow up to be. And it all comes to a crashing halt on the day she was called. There's three points today. Mary is called, Mary questions, and Mary is committed. The first one is Mary is called. Now, do you remember the posters? Uncle Sam wants you. Well, that's pretty much what happened. Gabriel the angel showed up and said, Mary, God wants you. And I'm sorry if a glow-in-the-dark person who's about six feet tall says in that heavenly voice, God wants you, the answer should always be yes. I love that line in the original Ghostbusters when they say, if somebody asks you if you are God, the answer is yes. Well, same deal. If God says through his angel, we're calling you, please answer yes. And what did he call her to do? To carry the Son of God. Well, for our ears 2,000 years later, that is an amazing thing. But we are the product of the pressure that Mary was agreeing to be put under. There were lifelong consequences 
for Mary, for Joseph, and for Jesus because she agreed to carry a child as an unwed mother. God's call, and Pastor Wiki and I will nod vigorously, God's call is both an honor and a burden. Now, the angel sets forth this proposition, Mary, you're going to be the vessel for the Son of God. And Mary says probably the most human thing in almost the whole Bible. She says, how can this be? I don't know about you, but I ask God that question all the time. I am amazed that we are exactly the right distance away from the sun. You ever think about this? One foot closer, we're crispy critters. One foot further away, we're popsicles. And God put us in the perfect spot. Not only that, but we go around the sun. And half of the year we get summer and the other side gets winter. And then when we get to the other side of the sun, they get summer and we get winter, which is why you get those wonderful Chilean grapes. I don't know you, I love the grapes from Chile that we get, but they're not growing them here. And God put it in exactly the right spot. There's a balance. We ingest oxygen. It's good. I do breathing breaks at school. I tell the kids you should breathe at least once a day. Highly recommended. And we expel carbon dioxide. And what could God do? The plants ingest carbon dioxide and expel oxygen. How can this be? I have a beautiful wife. Every day I thank God for my beautiful wife. You know why? She's far too pretty for me. And you know what I say to God? How can this be? And you've met me. I'm not always the easiest man with whom to live. And she loves me. How can this be? Well, God saw something in Mary that Mary didn't see herself. God sees something in each of us that we can't, won't, or don't see. I went to Westminster Choir College in 1978. Now it's funny, one person in this room can say that they went to Princeton for college, and one person can say they went to college in Princeton. So. My, my college is almost literally across the street from Karen's College, but I went, a squeaky little tenor, my voice hadn't really changed, and in three years I had four voice teachers. Nobody knew what to do with me. Assignments come out for our senior year, and Mrs. Pratt is my voice teacher. Now, Mrs. Pratt was one of the top three. I never expected that I would be in Mrs. Pratt's voice studio. Now, to be fair, my other voice teachers, one was an adjunct, one was retired, one was fired, and one had to leave school for illness. It, it had nothing to do with me, I just had bad luck with voice teachers. I get to Mrs. Pratt's voice studio, and she handled the performance majors, the people that were going on to be opera singers and pro professional recording artists, and I was a music education major. major. At the first lesson, she says, I bet you're pretty surprised you're here. And I'm like, uh-huh. She says, every time I hear you sing, I get angry. That's not the way you want to start off a voice lesson. 
Well, why, I say, Mrs. Pratt? She says, because no one has unlocked the potential that I see and hear in your voice. And that lady worked me hard. But you know what? I am the singer I am today because Mrs. Pratt saw and heard something in me that nobody else saw. Those high notes that come out, (laughs) they're from Mrs. Pratt. So every time you hear me sing, you need to thank God because God gave the gift. But Mrs. Pratt is the one who polished it and made me the singer I am today because she saw and heard something that nobody else did. God sees and hears something in each of us that we may not even see ourselves. There's a famous piano player, long since deceased, named Jan Paderewski. And he was trained in the Russian school of of pianists. Think Vladimir Horowitz, that school. And he was going to England to start his career and he wasn't sure how well it would go. So he asked his teacher, could I have a letter of introduction? The teacher wrote the letter and sealed it in an envelope and Jan Paderewski took it to England to start his career and he never needed it. From his first recital on, he became quite famous and had a career. And one day, the story's told that he was cleaning up his office and he found the letter years and years later. Well, what do you do with a letter like that? You gotta open it. (laughs) What did he say? And this is what the letter said. This is Jan Paderewski. He plays the piano, for which he demonstrates no conspicuous talent. Imagine if he had opened that letter at the beginning of his career. That's how we feel about ourselves sometimes. Why would God choose me? I have no conspicuous talent. But what the world sees is not what God sees. Mary was called. Mary questioned. She had what I would like to call a faithful doubt. She says, okay, I'm in, but I don't really understand it. And that is okay. Doubt is not a bad thing because God is a God of mysteries. I I love the bumper sticker that says God said it and I believe it. It doesn't say I understand it. It says I believe it. And the last thing that we want to talk about today is that Mary was committed. Now she says, and and the RSV that we read today says, I am a handmaiden of the Lord. Some say, I am a servant of the Lord. And then NIV says, I am a bond servant of the Lord. It all comes from that Greek word doule, which means to tie or to bind. Now some people would say that Mary was saying, I'm a slave to God. But you know what? You're not a slave to God because God gives each of us the opportunity to choose. We can be in a relationship with God. We can follow his plan or we can choose not to be in a relationship with God and not follow his plan. So Mary could not have possibly been a slave. She would not have said, I'm a slave of God. She might have said, I'm a servant of God. But as we know, God invites us into a family relationship. 
Now, sometimes we feel like servants. Moms and dads nod like this. Like, how many times do I have to clean the table, wash the dishes? Didn't I tell you to put that away? How many times do I have to tell you to put that away? If I tell you that one more time, we've all been there. We feel like a servant, and that's not the message that Mary is sending. I like the NIV. They said, I'm a bond servant. Now, in Hebrew law, in the Old Testament, you were not a slave for life. There came a time, and it it was different for if you were sold into slavery by your family or captured as a prisoner, but there came a time when you were set free. And if you felt comfortable, loved, cared for in the family where you were a slave, you could choose to stay even after you were set free. It was called being a bond servant, and it's that wonderful verse in Exodus that says, pierce my ear. They would take the slave to the doorpost of the house, and they would, with an awe, pierce their ear. And that said, I choose to remain and serve in this house. Or in Joel 2.29, it says, one who worships God and submits to him is a servant of God. That's where Mary is. Mary says, I will do whatever you ask, realizing all that stuff we talked about at the beginning, that I'm going to have a child out of wedlock, that the town for the rest of my life is going to talk about me behind my back. That my child is going to be ridiculed. You think Rudolph had a hard time at the reindeer games? Imagine when your name is Jesus, anybody in this town could be my father. Imagine the embarrassment. In fact, we learn later in Scripture that Joseph said, well, I'll just put her away quietly. Because the law said Mary was supposed to be stoned to death. What's wrong with Joseph? Why would he keep her around? It might not even be his child. And Mary is agreeing to embark on this journey of ridicule and disgust and oppression because God says, I want you to serve me. Mary's faith meets her doubt. Mary's fear meets hope. And what did the angel say at the end? With God, nothing is impossible. Well, folks, Mary is called. Mary questions and Mary is committed. And guess what? Each of us is called. You have a talent. You have an ability. You have a vision that God has laid on your heart. And he is calling you. And then what's our natural response? We question How can this be? But God says, if you commit to me like Mary did, great and wonderful things can happen for the kingdom. Today, God calls each of us to carry his son in our hearts through salvation, through service. And hear this, God sees what we do not. Today, God says it's okay to question. Faith and doubt are not exclusive. Remember that verse when the man asked Jesus to heal his child? He said, I believe, help my unbelief. 
It's not a crisis of faith to doubt. We just need to admit that we doubt and ask for God's help. And finally, we need to choose to follow God's unique call on our lives. Remembering that it's not us that does the work. With God, nothing is impossible. If you have never made a decision to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, our pastors, our deacons would love the opportunity to pray with you. And during the last hymn, you could make your way to the pew in the front and we'd love to pray with you. If there's a vision on your heart or, or you've heard God's call but not answered or maybe detoured around the answer and you, you want to talk and pray with somebody about that, again, our deacons and our pastors would love the opportunity to pray with you and the front pew is open. And finally, if, if there's an issue, a challenge, something in your life that isn't just the way you want it to be or you think God wants it to be, we again would love the opportunity to pray with you because with God, nothing is impossible. Amen.